Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Hallelujah. I want to um, continue in our series this morning that we began last week. Mr. Sean and I flip-flopped services today. He was going to preach this morning, but I decided we were going to flip-flop. We talked about it. And so you're going to be hearing from Sean next week. Brother Sean, he's back there running the camera right now. And so he's going to be up here. He's going to be on the other side of the lens next, next Sunday. Uh, which means I get to take a Sunday off. Hallelujah. But we're going to continue our series today on how to follow God's plan for your life. How many of you have learned that God's plan is better than your plan? Amen. Just Isn't it just better? It's just absolutely better, no matter how you slice it. So we, we began a series last week talking about this, and we want to continue that today how to follow God's plan for your life. Would y'all cut the fans on in here? I'm telling you, man, I'm hotter than two rats trapped in a sock. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. One of these days, y'all are going to realize your pastor's a goofball. Amen. One of these days, that's right. That's exactly right. Oh, Yeah. Praise God. Oh, yes. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, fan people. Hallelujah. Um, We're going to continue in this series today, as I've said, on how to follow God's plan. And I want to do a very quick review and read our main text for you this morning. And then we'll pray and and I'll I'll share what I have to share with you. Our main text comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and six, it's a very, it's a very uh, well understood, well known verse. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path." Let's pray over the word today. Father, we thank you for one more opportunity to come before your word, to receive, to grow, to hear, to be stretched, to be changed and transformed. Father, I thank you today that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you have given unto each one of us a heart that perceives and understands your word. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to grow today. Stretch our hearts, call us up higher, and give us the grace that we need to obey your voice this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, let everyone say amen and amen. If you're joining with us here or if you're joining with us online today, we're going to make our confession of faith, and you'll see that up on the screens in-house or online. This is the confession of faith that we love to make together. And we're going to declare it out loud today. Say this out loud. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand 
your word, and your will. Today I'm growing in the things of God. Hallelujah. We're growing in the things of God. Amen. Aren't you growing this morning? I believe you're going to be six inches taller spiritually when you leave here today because God's just that good and his word is just that powerful. Amen. Um, I want to review a couple quick things for you from last week. We're talking about how to follow God's plan, right? I want to review a couple things for you. Number one, God has a plan for you, and it's a good one. Amen? This is review, by the way. I'm not going to re-preach what I preached last week, but real quickly. Number one, God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. He's invested in your future. In fact, God's more invested in our future than we are most of the time. He's more invested in our future than we are. He's got a great plan for you. Number two, we said following God's plan for us is so simple. To the Christian, it's so simple to follow the plan of God. Why? Because he put his spirit on the inside of us. So he's got a man on the inside telling us everything that we need to know. So it's incumbent upon us as Christians to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We said that there's two big reasons why people struggle to follow God's plan. Number one, they have a listening problem. Anybody ever had a listening problem? Amen. We talked about selective hearing. I used my children as an example. Claire can't hear the instructions when her AirPods are in. It's not that she is ignorant. It's not that she's, you know, she's not stupid. She just couldn't hear because there was something else competing for her attention. And oftentimes, most of us live that way. If I could be real honest, most of us live in that world most of the time where there's some distraction that's vying for the attention of our hearts. There's some voice in this world. Could be your Twitter feed. It could be Netflix. It could be gossip on the job. It could be uh, backfighting and backbiting and uh, you know problems in your family. There could be a thousand different distractions that the enemy would use. But most often, he's trying to just compete with God's voice in our life. The second reason we struggle to follow God's plan is we have an obedience problem. Maybe we did hear the instruction, but we just don't want to do it. Like Sophia, who, who said, Daddy, I don't want to clean these toys up right now. Okay, well, you have to, because I'm the dad. Amen. So if we can deal with the listening problem, and if we can deal with the obedience problem, then we'll be, we'll be doing all right, because we'll be able to hear God. We said there's two things we need to eliminate from our minds when it comes to following God's plan. Number one is fear. Number two is mystery. I love what Brother Keith said this morning during offering about he, he helped to define for us what the fear of God really looks like. It's not fear, like he said. It's not being afraid of God. God's not going to jump out from behind a wall and go boo, right? He's got better things to do than that. Amen. It's not that kind of fear. It's awe and reverence. It's standing in awe before a living God. So we got to eliminate this scaredness when it comes to the will of God. And number two, we need to eliminate mystery. God's will is not mysterious or should not be for the Christian. Amen? And then I gave you my foolproof, foolproof four-point action plan for how to follow God. And what was it? It was Proverbs 3. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, lean not on your own understanding. Number three, in everything that you do, acknowledge him. And then number four, he actually takes care of number four for us, and he directs our path. Notice this idea that it is God's direction, but it's your path. This is new, by the way. This isn't review. We're starting the sermon now. Okay. 
Notice this idea that it's God's direction, but it's your path. What's the difference? There's a big distinction here. That is that your life is your life, and God's not going to live it for you. But he will direct it if you let him. It's, it's your life. It's God's direction. In other words, we must take responsibility for the action in our life. God's responsibility is for the leadership in our life. An old saying that people used to say, uh, you know, you, I, I say jump, you say how high. That needs to be the attitude that we maintain with our God. Lord, you say jump, I say how high. I still got to do the jumping. He just gets to direct where I jump and how high I jump. You know what I'm saying? The reality is God's plan for us is not a pressure scenario. God doesn't lead by pressure. So, so when you start to think about and put a bunch of pressure on your life to try to do the will of God in your life, it's much simpler than that. It's just obedience. One of the statements that I made last week, I had they put it up on, uh, on our social feed, and I got a lot of response from it. It was really cool. But it, it's this statement and it's this idea that to, to the, the heart that is set on obedience, God's will or God's plan for our life will always be the most obvious choice. When our heart is determined to just obey God, His will becomes so easy to discern. So easy. Because God's never going to hide His will from you. That would be mean. That would be unjust. It would be unjust for Him to demand that you follow His will and then not make it so easy for you to discern what his will is. How terrible would it be for me to tell my daughter Abigail, Abigail, you need to clean up the room. Just go clean it up. Well, which room, Daddy? Clean it up. Figure it out. And then get mad at her half hour later when the room wasn't cleaned. Because I didn't tell her what room to clean. That's on me, not on her. Y'all following me this morning? You see, God's not unjust. He's not trying to hide his will from us. He's not trying to hide his plan from us. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. He's making it as obvious as we'll, as we'll allow ourselves to see. Amen? So this is a no-pressure scenario. God doesn't lead by pressure. He leads by invitation. If you want to follow him, you are more than welcome to follow him. Glory to God. He makes it so easy. He takes away all the barriers for entry. If you and I just make it our business to, to, if we just make it our business to be obedient to God rather than trying to be successful over here, make an impact over here, I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to try to launch that project, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then try to figure out which one of these things is God's will. If you will not do all that and just say, today I want to follow you, Jesus, and I'm going to be obedient to you, the next step will be the most obvious thing. It's never more complicated than that. I want to say this so that you remember it. It's never more complicated than just simply obeying God. Oh, pastor, I want to know God's will for my life. God's will for your life is obedience. I mean, how hard is it? How hard is it to follow a pillar of fire in the desert? Right? How hard is it to follow a pillar of, of cloud during the day in the middle of the desert? Anybody ever been in the desert? I've been to the desert before. There's not a whole lot going on out there, okay? Not a whole lot of distraction. 
It's pretty easy to see, you know, a, a, a pillar of cloud that goes from earth up to, the, up to outer space that's a mile wide in the desert. Pretty noticeable, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't make it hard on us. He actually gives us the easy part. Now, in the second part of this series, I want to answer the question or address the question, what are the indicators that I'm following God's plan? Wouldn't you love to know that there was some mile markers, some indicators that you were in the will of God? Wouldn't that be helpful? Totally it would. What are the indicators that I'm following God's plan? Or if I'm in the will of God for my life, how would I know it? Remember, the goal and the purpose of this series is to be as practical as possible. By the way, I forgot to mention this at the front of the message. I hope you're making notes of questions that you have while we're going through this. Because the fourth week, May 15th, Sean and I will be up here sitting in stools. And maybe I won't have a sport coat on. And we'll just be casual. And we're going to be answering questions. So make notes of questions and be here on the 15th. Okay. So... As, as I said, the goal in this series is to be very practical. I found 12 things in the Scripture, 12 things in the Scripture that accompany God's plan for our lives. 12 things. So if you were to ask yourself, how would I know that I'm in the will of God? Here's 12 reasons, 12 indicators, okay? I feel a little bit like uh, Miles Monroe this morning. If you, if, if you know who Miles Monroe is, He's a preacher. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. But Miles was a guy who was based out of the Bahamas, had a huge global ministry in the Bahamas, which is proof that you could do big things even in a small place because the Bahamas are not very big. And, and every time Miles would get up to preach, you know, a lot, a lot of other preachers are like, I'm going to preach on marriage. I'm going to give you three ways to have a better marriage. Miles would get up and be like, I'm going to give you 27 ways that God wants to bless your marriage. And then, and then he'll just he'll have slides and just boom, 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 boom. So I feel a bit like Miles Monroe this morning. I'm going to give you 12 ways, 12 things from the Scripture that we know accompany God's plan for our lives. The first one, I want to say it and get it out of the way, not because it's the most important, but it's the only one that sounds a little bit uncomfortable at first. It sounds a little negative. It's actually not but it's the only one on our list that sounds a little negative, so I'm putting it first so we can talk about it and get it out of the way. Number one thing that you'll encounter, or number one on our list, that, that accompany God's plan for our lives is challenges to overcome and conquer. There's challenges to overcome and conquer when you're in the will of God. Now, you know, faith people don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. Well, I just, you know, I just want, I just want my walk with Jesus to be a bed of roses. Well, every rose has its thorns, okay? Even, even, even Axel understood that, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, there are challenges that we will inevitably face because we're alive. And especially as you begin to move into the will and purpose of God, the devil doesn't like you making progress. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Joe said, preach it. Amen. The devil, doesn't, the devil doesn't like it when we make progress. Let me ask you this question. Was Goliath part of God's plan for David? Was Goliath part of God's plan for David? Of course it was. Of course it was. Prior to Goliath, 
Only David and Samuel and his family knew that he was anointed to be king. After Goliath, the whole country knew he was anointed to be king. I mean, you got to put yourself in David's shoes. He's what, 17, 18 when he killed Goliath? Sort of scrawny, been watching sheep for years, smells like a shepherd. And he goes out to the battle and and he kills Goliath, and he, you, you know the whole story. First Samuel 17 gives it from top to bottom. He gives, he, he, he destroys Goliath, and they, then Israel overtakes the Philistines. Then what happens? All the women in the country make a new song. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul was the king at that time. Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. Can you imagine being 18 and all of a sudden... There's a, a hot new feel-good song of the summer that comes out, and it's by all the females in your nation, and all they're doing is singing about how you're better than the king. Sometimes we think of Bible stories in a bubble. They actually happened. I believe Goliath was, was part of God's will for David's life. Why? Because God sent David into a battle that David was prepared to win. You never walk into a battle or a scenario that you're not primed to be the victor. Amen. There is never, can I, can I tell you this? There's never anything that you face in your life that you have to fail to. Never. Never. That's why I said when we were praying for, for people that are not feeling well and sick, I said, I said it before we prayed, we're not afraid of sickness. Why? I got authority over that junk. Jesus gave me authority. I don't have to fear what the enemy has in store for me. Amen. So notice that the challenge of Goliath didn't discourage David. And as a matter of fact, he kind of flipped it on its head and Goliath became the motivation for David to rise up in faith. Amen. David didn't get out to the, to the battle because you remember his job was to take the meat and the cheese and the bread to his brother's. My dad used to call him Mobile Taco Bell. David was the world's first taco truck. He, he's t- taking all this stuff, his first food truck in the history of mankind, and he takes it out to the battle. And what does he do? He observes the battle, and his observation didn't discourage him. It actually motivated him. Everybody else in the nation's discouraged because they've been listen- listening to Goliath for 40 days spout out curses against God. David walked up, and what did he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Who is this moron that thinks he's big and tough because he's nine feet tall? Don't you know that God created the mountain this fool is standing on? All I need is a rock. Give me a rock. Somebody, give me a rock. Boom! And he killed him and chopped his head off with his own sword. He didn't let that become a discouragement to him. He let it become his motivation. So we're going we're gonna to encounter challenges. There's going to be Goliaths. Listen, every, every promised land's got a Jericho in it. Every promised land's got a Jericho. You know what's bigger than Jericho? Your voice. What did they do when they got to Jericho? They marched around the walls. They shouted, and the walls gave way. The devil hates it. When you and I make progress and take ground, maybe you're being attacked by the enemy 
Or maybe he's just reacting to your progress. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I, I've often said this, and I really believe it. Because I learned this principle when we started our church, and even leading up to starting our church. If there's no challenge in your life, you're most likely not in God's will. If there's, if there's nothing that you're facing, you got to take a step back and go, wait a minute. Am I really following God? Because I'll tell you what the devil loves to do. He loves to cater to disobedience. Ooh, yeah, write that one down. That's tweetable. The devil loves to cater to disobedience. So if you and I get off path, if we get off track, if we start to pursue our own thing instead of what God called us to do, the devil loves to leave you alone in that. Because the longer you go in that condition, the farther away you get for God's plan for your life. Now, it's really easy to get back. Because the Bible says he wakes, makes a way in the wilderness. So you could be going this direction for 20 years missing God and, and repent and immediately be back on the plan he has for you. Isn't that awesome? God can redeem anything. So the first thing, or a thing, that we encounter that accompany God's plan for our lives is challenges. But here's the thing. Don't go into the challenge being a victim. Don't go into the challenge being a victim. I, listen, I will not let you be a victim. Amen? I got a mandate from heaven to have a church full of people that are strong in the Word and strong in the things of the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you right now, I ain't going to let you be a victim. You're not going to hang around here too long and get to have a victim mentality. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And God puts something on the inside of you that's, that's overpowering every other thing and every other obstacle that you'll face. So you don't get to hang your head around here. Glory to God. <laughs> okay, I'll leave that where it is. Number one, we face challenges, but we're primed to overcome and conquer every one of them. Number two thing that we encounter that you can trust, this is accompanying for the will of God in your life, is faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Romans 10, 17, you can put it on the screen if you like. It says, faith comes, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith arises in your heart when you know that you are following God's plan for your life. And let me put it to you this way, because this helps us to understand it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the byproduct of God speaking to you. So when the Lord gives you direction and begins to speak to you about where to go and what to do, faith naturally begins to show up in your life. Glory to God. Faith is the byproduct of God's word being spoken into your life. If I could use a practical example, we can use my life as a case study. If you just live on trashy food, burgers, pizza, french fries, and brownies, just those four, we elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Anyways, I'll leave that alone. Just imagine that's all you do is you eat burgers and fries, pizza, and brownies. What is the byproduct going to be in your life? You're going to feel awful. What happened? I heard somebody say something funny over here. Stomach, yeah, exactly. You're going to get a little gut. Here's the thing. You don't have to work for that. 
You have to try real hard. Be like, oh, come on, man. I'm going to put on some weight. No, just eat the wrong kind of food, and it will happen on its own. Okay? It will happen on its own. You Listen. Listen, I'd love to take credit for all this, but I'm here to tell you it's negligence to put me in this position. Okay? It's a byproduct, baby. It's a byproduct. Likewise. Listen, your physical condition is a byproduct of your lifestyle choices. Likewise, faith is a byproduct of the Word of God coming into your life over and over and over again. Why do I make such a big deal of the Word of God? Why do we preach the Bible in our church? It's because you need this Word all the time because as you absorb that Word, faith automatically, without you trying, begins to rise up on the inside. People, people struggle to understand why the Bible calls faith a rest. Because the mechanics of faith scripturally make it look like it's hard work. But it's actually a rest. Why? Because you're just resting, receiving from God. Oh, Lord, his word says this. His word says this. His word says this. His word says this. And faith just automatically rises up on the inside of you. Isn't that incredible? Don't let, can I give you a little piece of unsolicited advice? Don't try to have faith. Don't try to have it. Just read the Bible till it happens on its own. I'm serious. Just get in the word until faith happens on its own. It'll change your life. Number three thing, got to keep going. Got 12 of these things to get to, and I'm on number three. Number three thing that accompanies God's plan for our lives is peace. Peace, peace, peace. Look at Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26, verse 6. This is God describing the promised land. Leviticus 26, verse 6. I want to show you that peace is a part of God's plan for your life. Leviticus 26, 6 says this. It says, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. What is that? That's a promise from God of peace. If you're in the plan of God and the will of God, peace is the accompaniment. Matter of fact, I like to say it this way. Peace is what leads us in the plan of God. Dr. Lester Sumrall, before he passed away and went home to be with the Lord, somebody asked him, Dr. Sumrall, how do you make all the decisions that you make for your ministry? He had a worldwide ministry impacted all over the place. And he said, how, would, how do you make your ministry decisions, Dr. Sumrall? He said, well, God speaks to me about once every 10 years when it comes to the ministry specifically. God give, gave him direction about once a decade, like big direction. He said, the rest of the time, I just follow the peace. The rest of the time, I just follow the peace. When it comes time, do you make a decision? It comes time for you to make a decision about following God's plan for your life. Can I, can I help you? Just follow the peace. Remember, our hearts are already set on obedience. We're already more concerned about obeying God than anything else. So when you're obeying the Lord, just follow the peace. It's easy. You don't, you don't have to have 12 angels show up in the middle of your bedroom in the middle of the night and sing you a heavenly chorus. This is the way of the Lord. No, you don't need that. You got a Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you and he will show you what he wants for you by giving you peace 
as you begin to move in a certain direction, if you don't have peace about it, stop. And he'll give you the peace and you can follow it. Amen? Number four. Oh, hold on. Write down Isaiah 26, verse 3. We won't go there for the sake of time, but this is another peace scripture. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. God will keep you in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it's the word peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. It's called double emphasis in the scripture, and it means God really wants you to understand that if you stay, if you keep your mind stayed on him, he'll give you an abundance of peace, more than you need. Number four. Number four thing that accompanies God's plan for our lives, favor. 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 Hallelujah. Like Bishop Jake says, favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Psalm chapter 5, verse 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. With favor, you will surround him as a shield. I'm here to tell you that as you walk with God in your life, and as you follow his plan, as you follow his path that he's laid out before you, expect that favor will surround you. Expect that favor will be around your life the way a shield surrounds someone going out to war. The favor of God goes before you, just the same way that that shield goes before that soldier. Y'all doing all right this morning? Favor ain't fair, baby. Number five. Number five. Supernatural fruit, or what we would call unexplainable harvest. Unexplainable harvest. Supernatural fruit. Look at Numbers chapter 13. I'm having you turn to a lot of scriptures today. So you got to be nimble with your fingers. Amen. Number one thing we encounter, challenges. Number two is faith. Number three is peace. Number four is favor. Number five thing that we encounter when we're in God's will, supernatural fruit. An unexplained, unexplainable harvest. Number, numbers chapter 13, verse 23 describes the promised land and it says, Then they came to the valley of Eskol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes that they carried between two of them on a pole. That's a lot of grapes. Lot of grapes. That's a harvest that goes beyond the normal. Amen. You see, when you're walking with God, unexplainable awesome things can happen. Amen. You start to harvest in places you haven't sown. Amen. I'm just letting you think about it for a second. You start to harvest in places you haven't sown. Can you imagine this picture of these two Israelites walking with a pole between them that's got so much grapes on one cluster that it's too heavy for one guy to pick up on his own? So he says, we've got to hang these grapes on this pole so we can take it back to Moses and show him how great the grapes are in this valley. That's an unexplained harvest. That's something that you go, I don't understand how it gets this big, but my only only explanation is God is this good. 
You say, you know, we've, we've, we've worked in this area. We've, we've endeavored to follow the plan of God in this area. We've sown our seed. We've given our time. We've invested in the kingdom of God. And somehow we have a return on that that we just can't even explain. It's so big. It's so excellent. Sounds like y'all are struggling to agree with that, but it's really true. It's in the Bible. Mark chapter 16 talks about the, the, uh, Jesus um, <clears throat> gives what we refer to as the Great Commission. And, <clears throat> he, you know, you, you're, you're familiar with the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And this is Mark chapter 16. And at the very end of it, it says this. It says that, that as they went out, God worked with them and confirmed the word that was preached with signs and wonders following, and everything began to explode. What is that? That's unexplainable, unexplainable harvest. In other words, the only way this is happening is because God's involved somehow. I'm here to tell you, when you're on the plan that God has for you, when you're following his path and his will for your life, unexplainable harvest things will come up. You'll just go, I don't know. This is, I can't, I don't know. I don't understand. God is so good. I think I told you the story about um, the Lord had challenged me to give, to give a gift into a friend's life. And it was a significant gift. It was a gift that cost me a lot. In fact, I had, I had paid for this gift and I was using it for a short little period of time. And, and I was like still feeling it in my checking account. It was something that cost me a lot of money. And, and by the time I started to get comfortable using this thing in my life, the Lord told me to give it to somebody. And I was like, Lord, I just, I'm just getting over the, the feeling of having bought this thing. I'm just rebounding. And, and the God's like, I don't care. Give it away. I said, okay. <laughs> so I gave it away. And, the, and three days later, I got a check that was valued at three times what the value of the thing that I gave away. What is that? It's unexplainable harvest. I can't explain that. It's, no, it's nothing other than the goodness of God and the fact that he loves me. And the reality is he loves you too just as much as he loves me. You're his favorite. You're his favorite. Amen. So supernatural fruit and unexplainable harvest follows the plan of God for us. Number six, gosh, I'm only halfway there. I gotta hurry up. Y'all doing okay? I'm gonna be like that guy at the end of the commercial. Some restrictions apply. Battery's not included. I gotta get through this. Number six that accompanies God's plan for your life, protection. 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 Can I tell you that you don't have to be afraid to follow God's plan? Well, so-and-so stepped out in the mission field and they died a week later. You don't have to be afraid to follow God's plan. He will lead you in protection. Psalm 91, verse 1 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know what that means? That means that if it can't get through God, it can't get to you. Glory to God. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. When you're in the, when you're in the secret place, it's got to get through God to get to you. You're protected. Hallelujah. Number seven. Y'all doing okay? We just got a few more. We're getting there. Number seven. Stability. Stability. Stability comes 
with the plan of God. I, I, I'm one that grew up in church, and so I've seen a lot of things come and go. I've seen a lot of stories. Uh, I've seen a lot of things play out in front of me. And one of the things that I can absolutely say is that when people get zeroed in on the plan of God and they begin to obey the Lord and they follow Him, their life doesn't get less stable. It gets more stable. Amen. Can you say amen this morning? Y'all help me out a little bit. When you walk with God, your life increases in stability, doesn't decrease in stability. Our lives as Christians, I believe, ought to be so stable and so stalwart that the world looks at us and says, how do you have peace when everything else is upside down? And we say it's simple because I've put my trust in the Lord and my, my, my obedient action to Him has created stability and foundation in my life so that I'm not like a wave of the sea. One day I'm up, the next day I'm down, the next day I'm up, the next day I'm down. <clears throat> stability is a result of you walking with God. Can I tell you that you're not called to have up and down days? Oh, my mental health's really great today, and then tomorrow, it's trash. Can I tell you that anxiety is not a tool that God uses to make you more like Jesus? I was thinking about this this week. We, we, have, we have elevated anxiety in our culture, man. We have made it a virtue. We really have. I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point. I'm a soapbox for just a second. Can I soapbox for a second? We have gotten to this place, y'all. In our world, where it's like, oh, you're not seeing a counselor? You're not cool. We've elevated anxiety and instability. It's like the more unstable, the more spur of the moment, the more reactive you are in life, somehow that makes you cool. Somehow that makes you better. Somehow you think that's more fun. Can I tell you, there ain't nothing as fun as stability. Amen. Yeah. There ain't nothing as fun as stability. Why do I say this and why am I making a big deal of this? Because this is one of the characteristics that makes God God. He doesn't change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you want to check God's pulse now, it's going to be the same as it was 3,000 years ago and 5,000 years from now. He's not moved. He's not rocked. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't have bad days. I'm not saying you're never going to have a bad day. What I'm saying is that the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you wants to stabilize your life, not make it more like this. That's what he wants to do, man. He wants to stabilize you. It's not a guilt trip. Don't feel bad or negative or like, man, that doesn't sound like my life. It's okay. It can. It can. There's hope. It's not a rebuke. It's an invitation. Come follow in God. Come follow the Holy Spirit. Let God lead you because I promise it's going to lead you to a place of stability and strength. Number eight. I've got two minutes. Number eight. I didn't even go to my scripture for stability. It's Psalm 1. says that... Says, says that he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. God wants you to be planted and stable, glory to God. Number eight, success. Joshua 1.8, best book of the Bible, amen. Joshua 1.8, what does it say? It says, my son, be strong and courageous. Let's get Joshua 1.8. Be strong and courageous. Oh, sorry, that's verse seven, uh, or verse nine. 
This book of the law shall not depart. No, no, I'm sorry. I want to read verse 8. I was quoting verse 9. That's my bad. That's my bad. You think I'm named after this book? I should know it a little better. Oh, well. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What happens when you follow in the way that God's prepared for you? Success. Success. Amen. Amen. Anybody else tired of seeing Christians fail? Amen. Yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. Just know that as you walk with God, success should be the outcome. His plan is accompanied by success. Number nine, prosperity. Prosperity. You say, well, isn't prosperity success? Nope. They're different. Look at 1 Kings chapter 2, and then I'll explain why they're different. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. It says, And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, keep His commandments and His judgments and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. Why? That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. I mean, can I illustrate that visually for just a second? Here I am walking with God. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord, for the peace and the joy and the safety and the security. And, oh, here's some prosperity. Oh, there's prosperity. Oh, there's prosperity, too. There's, oh, more prosperity. Oh, look at this. Woo, woo, more prosperity. Oh, I said, woo, more prosperity wherever you turn. You say, well, what's the difference between that and success? You just said we could have success, and now you're saying we can have prosperity. Listen. The difference between success and prosperity is that success is a result and prosperity is a mindset and a way of living. Prosperity is a mindset and it's a way of living. I know that there's been people in the world that have done a number on the term prosperity. I know that there's been preachers that have abused that concept. But I'm here to tell you, not only is it, is it biblical, it's accessible. And it's available to us. And it has a whole lot more to do than just with money. A whole lot more to do with just than money. You know, you can be prosperous in your marriage. You can be prosperous in raising your children. You can be prosperous in your service to the kingdom of God. What, is, what does it mean to be prosperous? It means that the blessing of God has come upon your life. And that that blessing has reshaped your mindset and how you see the world. So that where others see a problem, you see an opportunity. That's prosperity. Where others see demand, you see supply. That's prosperity. It's not really talking about money. Money is down the line a little ways. Now, a prosperity mindset will impact your money. We'll talk about that some other time. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just tired of hearing that prosperity gospel. Listen, if you actually know what the gospel is, you'll find real fast that it's loaded with prosperity. 
The gospel states that you start out dead in trespasses and sins. You meet Jesus, encounter the gospel, and now you're alive and seated with Christ Jesus. If that ain't prosperous, I don't know what is. Amen? Don't get offended. Listen, don't get offended and tripped up on what other people have done to abuse the subject. There's a lot of people that have abused this concept of prosperity. I'm here to tell you, don't buy it. Look at what the word actually says. God wants you to prosper in every direction so that when it comes to loving my kids, I'm prospering. Oh man, I didn't know it could be this great to, to be a parent. And then I go to work the next day and it's like, whoo, man, God has totally changed the way I think and the way I see things. And now I'm prospering in my job. I'm so blessed, I can't wait to get to work. Oh man, I love my wife and I'm loving her more than we've ever loved each other. This year's gonna be the best year of our marriage. That's a prosperity mindset. That's refusing to look at the problems and focusing on the supply that comes from God that meets every need. To be prosperity minded is to be supply focused and not need focused. Hallelujah. And that's something that accompanies God's will for your life. It's not about dollars and cents. It's way bigger than that. Number 10, Frankie, you better come up here or else I'm never going to shut up. Number 10 thing that God gives us as we follow his plan is focus, focus. Ooh, this is a good one. Focus. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read this from, the, from a different translation so y'all don't worry about putting it up on the screen. Philippians chapter 3 says in the New Living Translation, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. As you walk with God, your life begins to take on more and more and more and more focus. In other words, the things of God become far more important to you than they used to be. Number 11. Number 11 thing that accompanies God's will for our lives, real simple, is joy. I've never met a depressed Christian who's following God's plan for their life. Never. I've met Christians who have, you know, momentary setbacks. But somebody who's keyed into God's plan for their life is the happiest people alive. The Bible says, Psalm 16, verse 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. Joy accompanies God's plan for your life. In fact, I have found in my own life, from the times that I've missed it, and also from the lives of people that I've observed, that when a person is disobedient, to the will of God. A Christian who is disobedient to God's plan is the most miserable person I've met. But the person who's keyed into it, even if they're having a rough go of it, if they know that they're on the path that God has for them, their life's filled with joy. Finally, number 12, we got there. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. We got to number 12. Miles Monroe is happy in heaven. Number 12, what comes with God's plan for your life? It's real simple. It's a future. A future. Jeremiah 29, 11. We read it last week. It's a future. God's got your future in mind. In fact, when God looks at your life, he looks at your life through the lens of the future, not the past. Woo, glory to God. 
Somebody that spent this week sinning needs to rejoice. That God, when He looks at your life, He looks at it through the future, not through the past. Whatever happened yesterday that brought you to this moment is in the past. You can't do a thing about it. God will never talk to you about it. He will always talk to you about your future. Glory be to God. He will always talk to you about your future. The Bible says that He he declares the end from the beginning. When God called you, he didn't call you based on who you were or where you were at at the time. He called you based on the future that he has intended for your life. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Stand up with me if you would. It's much easier to go home that way. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.